You're listening to Heart Food Podcast, episode 83. Welcome to Heart Food Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Pardo, nutritional therapy practitioner and private chef. This is a show that tells you the truth about food, nutrition, movement, mental health, mindfulness, and body image, all with a hefty dose of real talk. This show will inspire you, change your mindset, and help you feel more confident and comfortable in your own skin inside and out. To find the show notes for each episode and to sign up for my weekly newsletter, visit ashleypardo.com. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Ashley K. Pardo. Find me on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel at Ashley Pardo. If you have a question to be answered on this podcast, please email it to heartfoodpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Heart Food Podcast. So happy, uh, as always, that you've decided to join me today. I never take the fact that you're listening for granted. And to be honest with you, based off of last week's episode that talked about nutrition, I wanted to do a follow-up episode on something that is really, really important and unfortunately very prevalent, I think, if you are in the nutrition industry, in the wellness industry, and that is orthorexia. And this is something that I found myself in several years ago. And I think that if you're finding yourself there right now, or if you have sort of that hunch or a gut feeling that you're there, I think it's okay that, uh, not that I think it's an okay thing to happen, but I think that sometimes it's really normal to find yourself there because we are given so many messages uh, based on current dieting practices, current ways of eating, way, like we're bombarded with studies every single day. So like out there in the media, and especially if you are on Instagram or social media, everybody's telling you to eat a different way every day. And that can be really overwhelming. And especially if you're trying to change your body and you're trying to get healthy, we're told everything is harmful and terrible. I think that it is like almost expected to find yourself in a place like this. And this is where I found myself, like I said, several years ago. And I want to be honest about my own struggles. And thankfully, I'm not there anymore. But if you're finding yourself here, I want to give you a little bit of advice and just perhaps different ways of thinking about this so that you can sort of get into a better place because it doesn't feel good to be there. And chances are, if you're finding yourself right now, right in that place, you know, it doesn't feel good and it's impacting your life. And I just want to validate how prevalent this is in the time that we live in. I also want you my little housekeeping thing. I also want you to be on the lookout for prep like a pro 2.0. It is coming out uh, this Friday. So this is when I'm going to start talking about it and promoting it. So be on the lookout for that. It is so amazing. Uh, all of the stuff that I'm including in this next round. So even if you took it, I encourage you to just be on the lookout for it and sign up and tell your friends about it. We are going to be doing Facebook ads this time around to get the message across. And we are going to be doing a giveaway for a Thermapen. Somebody is going to get a free Thermapen. 
So be on the lookout for that. I'm so excited to be launching something. It has been a really long time. But anyway, Prep Like a Pro teaches you how to cook. You master 10 techniques in five days and you're set up for a lifetime of cooking success. And I guarantee you that everything that you've been told about cooking is wrong, especially since I know because I teach people how to cook and they're sort of blown away by my simple methods and how simple it can be. And I love that because I really think that cooking can be something that can get in the way of people getting healthy and reaching their health goals. So I encourage you to take Prep Like a Pro. It's totally free. You literally have nothing to lose. So if you have any questions about that, just DM me. But let's get right into this episode. I'm The structure of this episode is going to be, I'm going to talk a little bit about the definition of orthorexia. I'm going to talk about my story. Or first, I'm going to talk about the definition. I'm going to talk about the signs of it. So I think those, the signs can be more beneficial because then you can see like practical and tangible things that might be happening in your life. Then I'm going to talk about my story. I'm going to talk about an elimination diet and elimination diets in general and whether you should do one or not. And that's going to be it. I'm going to talk about mindset throughout. So I'm going to keep this episode to the point like I've been trying to do. But orthorexia is the term for a condition that includes symptoms of obsessive behavior in pursuit of a healthy diet. Orthorexia sufferers often display signs and symptoms of anxiety disorders that frequently co-occur with anorexia nervosa or other eating disorders. So does it mean that if you are anorexic that you have orthorexia? But in the past several years, orthorexia was uh, recognized in the DSM, which is the Diagnostic Manual for Psychological Disorders. So it is actually recognized as an eating disorder. And so many people have it that are not saying that they have it or they might not realize that they have it. But I just want to validate how common this is. And I th- I didn't know that I had it. I mean, I wasn't diagnosed or anything, but I know for sure And I think the largest indicator of this, if we're just keeping it really simple, is that your life is being affected negatively overall by your pursuit of eating healthy foods. So you are not going out to eat. You aren't being with your friends or your family. Like your life is being very hindered because of your obsession with healthy foods. And this was definitely me for a long time. And I sort of rode this line of like, am I doing this because things actually make me feel good and like I can get sick? Or am I doing it because it gives me a sense of control and like almost like pleasure? If you've had an eating disorder before, you know that it's all about control. And that is what sort of gets you through your days is having latching on to that control really, really, really hard. And that's why when we go out into the wild, into daily life and and we can still eat in a way that that works for us. But we know that the opposite of control is trust. That's really what I teach my clients. And, you know, if you are controlling your food, then you can't really trust yourself, especially if those rules or whatever it is that you're following are coming from an, another external source. If they're not coming from you and the parameters that you've set for yourself with food, because I don't think it's bad to have structure. I actually do need structure with eating combined with education. And I feel like a lot of you are like that. 
then I think that it is possible to, you know, through the the parameters that you self set for yourself, that you can find trust within yourself. But if you trust, you can't really control. And if you control, you can't really trust. So that, you know, a lot of people say they can't trust themselves. And that's because they're grasping too hard to that, to that control. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just something to be aware of. So some signs of orthorexia, you know, compulsively checking ingredient lists and nutritional labels, like especially for sugar. Uh, right now, I don't really look at I mean, I'm 100% gluten free because gluten does totally fuck up my stomach and just the way that I feel. I have not eaten gluten in a really, really long time and it's not worth it for me to eat it. Um, So I do check for like, you know, gluten ingredients sometimes, but I'm not like caring about like sugar. I don't really care about like weird oils. Obviously, if I you know, obviously, like, I would rather not have those things. But if something has it, and I see it, I'm like, whatever, it's not a big deal, especially like if I'm at a restaurant or something, I used to like not want to have the inflammatory oils at restaurants. If you look at the grand scheme of your entire relationship with food and the times that you go out to eat, like eating once a week in a place eating one meal out of like 21 over a week's period of time is like really not going to have a big of a deal. And and I used to be like very obsessed with asking like, what type of oil is this cooked in? Does this have sugar? Now I'm really only asking like if things are gluten free. And again, that is coming from a place of self-love and like just wanting to feel good. But I think that line can get weird sometimes of like, when is it, you know, something that you feel you need to do for control versus when is just is it just something that you need to do to like make yourself feel good. And I feel like one is more relaxed and the other one is very controlling. So another sign is that you have an increase in concern about the health of ingredients. So again, inflammatory oils, sugar, uh, biggest one here, this sign cutting out an increasing number of food groups. So all sugar, all carbs, all dairy, all meat, all animal products. So I think even veganism can be a big form of orthorexia. And there is like you know, you guys know how I feel about like veganism and and eating animals. I do think that eating, you know, for optimal health, it is good to eat animal products. And obviously, if you like just don't want to eat them, or you have a moral thing, or it just grosses you out, like more power to you, you're making your own autonomous decisions. But I always let my clients know, like, you know, protein probably would be best from an animal source. But if you don't want to eat it, like there's other ways to do it. So again, keto, all carbs, all sugar, you know, this was me like obsessed with not having it. Um, An inability to eat anything but a narrow group of foods that are deemed healthy or pure. So this is what happens with food lists. This is good and this is bad. And this goes on, goes along with what I'm going to talk about, about elimination diets. But again, when we have food lists, good or bad, and there's no room for that gray area where, you know, you might go out to eat or have something social. And like, that is part of life. You are not eating all of your meals just by yourself in your house. And when, uh, when I think back to that time that I was orthorexic, I was living alone and it would just be like my sanctuary and obsession 
to just cook my food in my house with nobody watching and if I you know maybe I would have people over but like we would cook my food and always asking like you know yelling at my mom for like you know putting butter in something because I remember specifically like getting mad at her because she cooked onions and butter and and that like it makes me cringe so much but I was just you know thank God for my family and and my husband. Oh my God. My husband that saw me, you know, when we started our relationship, this is, this is the person he got. Um, So that was just something that was really, you know, just looking back again, it just makes me, you know, it makes me cringe, but it also gives me a lot of compassion for that person because like I was just so controlling and it was, I was not in the right mental space. So it's, The next sign is there's an unusual interest in the health of what others are eating. So being very judgmental, being very like, oh, your eating is elitist and superior and you look down upon others who don't eat the same way that you do. And again, if you guys go back like years, go back into 2012 or 2013 on my Instagram feed, I'm so embarrassed of those posts, but I'm like talking shit about grains. I'm talking shit about like eating any sugar, talk shit about dairy And like, I get it. Again, I was orthorexic back then, but it just, it doesn't have to be that way. And you don't have to be dogmatic in your approach. And if I feel like anybody is dogmatic, uh, I'm running away. And, you know, maybe that's a testament as to why, like, I didn't have as many clients back then. Now I have like a full roster of clients and and I feel so fortunate to do what I do. And I'm also grateful for my orthorexic journey because it made me appreciate uh, the fact that I'm not there anymore. And it gave me a whole new level of appreciation, especially, you know, I had bulimia. I had a little bit of anorexia. Um, I don't know what I mean, but <laughs> when I say a little bit, but like a little blip of anorexia. Um, so it gives me a greater appreciation for like being healthy now. And I, and I think that like, it really is the reason that I'm able to be so knowledgeable about food and help people because I've been there in so many different aspects of it. So spend out another fact is that you spend hours per day thinking about what food might be served at upcoming events. Wow. Like this is a big one also. And I also believe like if you know, I also believe that you can bring stuff to social events. Like if you are going to feel like complete crap, not eating something, but I would really, really stress out. Now, if I go places, I just like kind of like see what's available and, and eat what I can that's there, but I'm not going to count on it, you know, totally being something that I am going to, um, you know, that I'm going to fully get like full on because I I don't eat gluten and I don't eat things that that contain it so you know I I just do the best that I can and and like I just kind of let it go if like I don't eat enough I just go home and eat more um and that's perfectly fine so showing high levels of distress when safe or healthy foods aren't available again there's that weird line here because like what if it actually doesn't make you feel good and it actually makes you sick like I think that's valid but what really matters is the mindset another big one especially in our industry is obsessive following of food and healthy lifestyle blogs on Twitter and Instagram huge this is like I don't really listen to nutrition podcasts anymore I don't really follow 
a ton of nutrition information. I follow people who like just a handful of people who I think put out really good educational content. And then I'm doing my own research. But like I I had to turn that shit down (laughs) for a long time because I just can't with anymore seeing all that nutrition stuff being bombarded at me. I feel like now I finally quote unquote get it and I can see what is true, what is real. So again, these aren't bad. These are just signs that something might be going on. And I encourage you to talk to a professional. I encourage you to go to therapy if you're if you feel like it's really hindering your life in a terrible way. Because living by yourself in your house, just cooking your own food is not really life. And I want you to really understand that. And I say that with the fullest compassion that I have. Part of having a healthy relationship with food is going out and and eating stuff with other people and sort of just letting go sometimes to the extent that it's good for you. Again, with me, as I'll reiterate through this episode, I still do have parameters that I need to follow, but it's like it doesn't hinder my life. It doesn't, you know, I'm still aware of what's in food, but I'm not like angry or pissed off or or any of those things like I used to be. So my own story with orthorexia, uh, I had bulimia, as I've talked about through my teens. And then I definitely had, you know, a period where like I was starving myself, but I would eat everything. But I always had digestive issues. Like I would probably go to the bathroom once a week. So I lived bloated. And my friends knew that I was obsessed with eating fiber and eating things that would make me go to the bathroom. But I was eating grains and gluten, which again, are not bad. But for me at the time, I had a messed up gut, I had leaky gut, and I didn't know it. And all of those things sort of exacerbate that symptom. So it got really bad when I was on the farms in Italy, which if you're not aware of that story, I spent the summer of 2012 in Italy working on farms and through the worldwide organization of organic farms, woof where you basically exchange your time for food and and a place to stay. So I remember one time going 10 days without going to the bathroom because I was just eating wheat and cheese all the time and nothing wrong with them. But like back then, my gut was completely messed up. So I just felt so uncomfortable. I remember going to a gastroenterologist and telling them like, you know, I kind of started doing my own research back then. And I told them, you know, maybe I shouldn't eat grains. Maybe I shouldn't eat dairy anymore and they're like no no like you should eat them you know it's fine and I just remember feeling very confused and then it wasn't until I started working at the house that I worked at from at the beginning of 2013 that was the beginning point where my client was gluten-free and she knew a lot about nutrition and she was actually celiac which meant that like she's super allergic to gluten so she started educating me about like you know, elimination diets. And I started telling her how I felt. And she's like, you know, you should just do an elimination diet. You should try paleo whole 30. You just try going gluten-free. So I did that. And after two weeks, my digestion regulated completely. Like I started going to the bathroom daily. And this was something that had never happened to me in my life. My bloating went away. I just felt free and awesome. At the time, I also started working out and getting into CrossFit 
And I just, you know, once I think once you start doing something and once you start getting results from it, like you get those like newbie gains that happens with muscle that happens with dieting, like you just feel really, really good. And then in order to continue feeling better, you think that you need to just keep eliminating stuff and then adding in more exercise. So that's what I found myself doing, just like working out harder and like, okay, so I'm eating paleo. So I'm maybe, you know, and I feel good to take it a step further. Maybe I'll just not eat starch. And then to take it a step further, maybe I just won't eat fruit. Then maybe I'll just eat protein and fat and be like keto, which totally messed up my hormones. And I will at some point do an episode on carbohydrates and how essential I think they are. So I started lowering my caloric intake, just being super obsessive. And I also got some education around this time from some coaches who told me like, yeah, just keep eliminating, keep eliminating. You know, I told them my like aesthetic goals and they're like, yeah, just keep eliminating. So I think if I would have had a coach that was um, more educated in nutrition and more educated surrounding what constitutes an eating disorder, I think I would have been, you know, obviously better equipped to continue. But I just started pulling everything. And then I just got into a place where like I strictly did not eat anything except for paleo gluten-free whole 30 foods but at the same time on the off moments I was binging on the things that I couldn't have so I wasn't having cheese I wasn't having any grains any sugar definitely no gluten Um, but then I found myself like being so restricted that I would let myself let's say have like a bite of goat cheese and then it would turn into like fuck it mode and I would just go nuts on everything like I would have cupcakes I remember one birthday I think this was in 2013 my 2013 birthday so I was turning 28 and I went out to a restaurant with my parents and I had a goat cheese salad and I remember having like a little bit of cake or something there and then I remember getting treats for when I would come home and like eat in bed So all of another sign of orthorexia is like all the time that you're binging and, um, you know, having those pleasurable foods that's happening by yourself, which was definitely my case. So I would restrict, 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 just like be starving. And then like the moment I'd let myself have that cheese, it's just like balls to the wall. Let me just enjoy this off time again, not knowing how to navigate like that middle place, because I think that you can looking back, I could have like had a bite of the cheese and then just like, you know, moved on, which is what I do now when I have like sugar or something, I just like move on. And again, that takes a long time to to get to. This is not easy. This is a a journey of like six years. Um, So I remember that one night after my birthday, I remember getting um, cupcakes. I remember making a flourless chocolate cake and I remember getting ice cream And just having that concoction and I wasn't purging back then, but like I definitely had like three, four cupcakes and just bites of everything and just feeling like shit. I have pictures of myself after those binges, which maybe I'll share. Those are like so vulnerable. All of the pictures that I have of like my my bloated belly and my eyes like literally not being able to open because I was so inflamed from the gluten and like my face just looks like a balloon literally and that just shows me like yeah you have a big sensitivity to that so like it's not worth eating it but it's so delicious that you'll just do it by yourself in secret in your bed and you'll go overboard 
And it, it took me like, you know, three or four days to, to feel back into equilibrium in my body. And I would do that a lot. I remember periods where I would go out drinking and like being hung over the next day. It's like, well, I'm hung over. So I might as well just like eat these gluteny treats and just go overboard on them because I'm just going to be laying in bed anyway. I'm puffy anyway. Might as well just do it. And I remember that just constant, like then I would clean it up, quote unquote, clean it up. I remember going to New York to visit one of my best friends and again, sort of navigating that, you know, that middle and not really knowing what to do. And I remember we went to a sushi place and I didn't know that like they put gluten in their rice. And I remember the the next day waking up, seeing my face really puffy seeing my belly super bloated. I'm talking like I look nine months pregnant. And I'll talk about this in a moment. But the more I restricted, I, I also found myself not being able to eat nuts or peanut butter. So I have pictures of my belly after eating nuts and peanut butter and I would get so bloated and it was so painful. And I remember that day, like seeing my face having the indication like, okay, I ate this, like, fuck it, might as well just like, write it out and do it again. So like it it was just horrible. And I have so much compassion for myself back then because it it's not healthy to do that. And it is not it doesn't feel good. And I was not being kind to myself. Overeating and you know, overeating all the time to the point where like it hurts so much. Uh eating things that don't work for you that make your body like literally feel in pain. That isn't kind that is not nice to yourself. So I think around this time, I really um, was just like, okay, I'm never eating gluten again. Um, And that's where I'm at now, because it's just again, it's painful to my body. So I'm pretty vigilant about not doing it because it's not worth it to me to do that. And, um, and that's when I spoke about me having questions and stuff, that's really what I was talking about. So I think I got to a point where I was like, okay, it's just not worth it to me to eat it. Like, it doesn't even look like food to me. All I see is stomach pain and bloat and like my face and my eyelids and my lips being really puffy. Don't want to do that anymore. But then I would binge on like gluten-free treats and like peanut butter. I remember doing one whole 30 around the time that I met Derek. Actually, when Derek and I went on our first date, I was finishing that whole 30 and I ordered water on our first date. And afterwards, I think like two days later was my 29th birthday. So this was the year after I was gluten-free. And I I remember that day after that whole 30, it was on my birthday, like on the 10th, um, which September 10th, which is my birthday. And I remember that day, like just having gluten-free toast with peanut butter and banana and like, again, having ice cream and making chocolate cake and just eating way too much of it, like literally just going overboard all day long. And then at the beginning of my relationship with Derek, us drinking and having cheese and wine and me going, you know, off the rails all the time and really still finding myself in that back and forth black and white area. So then like after I'd make myself feel like shit, it's like I would promise that I would restrict. And this started impacting my relationship. Well, he didn't know back then. But after I would, let's say, go through a period of restricting too much, I would feel very anxious 
and I would let's say cook something at my house like for lunch instead of like going out to lunch I would be like no I'm just gonna cook something so I would cook like an elaborate lunch and then like later when he would leave granted this is like the first like three months (laughs) of our relationship then when he would leave I would kick him out of my house and then I would go to Whole Foods and get like coconut milk ice cream and all of these things that just didn't make me feel awesome and I would just binge and I would just remember being so depressed around this time and it really was a trip that I went on with a best friend of mine to Colombia where I have the type of friendship with this friend that is just very truthful and very honest and there's like no bullshitting no sugarcoating of anything and I remember her telling me like something's wrong like the way that you're eating right now, the way that you are approaching your eating is very uh, disordered. So I remember after getting back from that trip, because again, she saw me at restaurants, she saw, you know, she saw like how I would act and like the stress that I would go through. I remember being at this, at this Asian place where literally there was nothing on the menu for me to order except sashimi. And I remember her just looking at me like, are you being serious right now? Like the way that, that you're acting like just in such shock and disbelief because she doesn't live in the same city as me. So to see that. And then afterwards she like presented me with this information about orthorexia. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is actually what's happening. And then that's when I started like, I think I did more whole thirties after that, just because it, it, this isn't something that happens overnight. And I think that finally after periods of like me then doing AIP, which was very restrictive, I think I finally healed my gut after years of destroying it and developing sensitivities and, you know, all of that. And I think that because I was so stressed out about eating in general, I think that that just exacerbated it. So I've talked about the fact that recently, or probably within the past year and a half, I've started introducing dairy again to my diet, and I just feel good eating stuff. And that took a lot of time. So I think that obviously, the time that I spent healing and doing those elimination diets was very beneficial. So I think that it's important for you to have the mindset of like, am I doing this to make it to make myself feel better? Or am I doing this because it gives me a semblance of control, an illusion of control, And am I doing this because it makes me feel like a good and worthy person? Or am I just doing this because like it's actually good for me? So I think that once your symptoms like, you know, get a little bit ameliorated, then you can start reintroducing stuff, reintroducing foods. And I truly think that as humans, we're resilient and we have the capacity to heal. Um, And again, the stress that you put on yourself has a huge, huge, huge part of this. So A lot of people ask me, this is where I'll end right now. uh, A lot of people ask me, should I do an elimination diet? Should I do a whole 30? And if you have symptoms where like you're feeling bloated, you're constipated, you're constipated, you're having diarrhea, like you have a lot of brain fog, you just don't feel well, you don't know, you're not going to the bathroom, you don't know what foods feel good, then I think that if you are in a healthy place mentally, that it's good to do an elimination diet because then you can actually see which foods make you feel good or not. Because I do agree that some foods are inflammatory, some foods aren't as much. And elimination diets are the way that you can truly find out whether a food is working for you or not. Because it's like, you know, very clear what you can eat. And again, going into it with like, this is temporary. 
this is not forever. This is just an experiment to see what foods do to my body. So I honestly think that everybody should do that, but with the caveat that it is temporary. It is not something that you're going to be doing forever. You have to get a have to have a good healthy mindset surrounding it. If you don't have a good healthy mindset, then I would do it you know, then I would wait till you do or do it or like if you have physical symptoms, then do it alongside a professional that can help you sort of guide you through the the mental struggles that can go along with it because it is a big thing uh, to do. So that's why I think that everybody should do it if you're healthy. Otherwise, um, I don't think that like it's an awesome idea for you. And I think also in life, there are periods where we spend healing our physical health. And and then there's also periods that we need to heal our mental stuff around food. And maybe that could be a time where you just kind of like eat whatever. And I truly believe that like all of the stuff that we have surrounding like binging and the drama that goes on with food and the back and the forth that happens, I really do think. And that allure and that obsession that we have, that's like how I was with ice cream and all these foods that I didn't have for such a long time and peanut butter. Oh my God. All of those things, the more that we restrict something, the more that we're going to feel like binging on it. And that has to do with mental restriction too. So if you feel like you have to binge on foods, then I would reevaluate what you're eating. Maybe you're not eating enough. Maybe you're not eating enough of the right foods. I know that low carb diets really (laughs) turn on that binging mechanism. I've never binged more in my life than when I was on a really low carb diet. (laughs) I don't recommend eliminating carbs unless like that really, really works for you, which I think it works for some people, but definitely not all and especially not for women. But I think that if you continue to do this and if you like continue to binge, then it's a sign that your mental restriction might be off too. Like maybe you still have that, you know, I I think of all this stuff like a knot in our, in our hearts, in our souls, in our minds. And over time we begin to untangle the, the tangle and it just, we get to see our beliefs. We get to see all of these different things and you know, the mental part really plays a big, big part in it. So I would just continue to be patient with yourself and love yourself through this. And honestly, now, when I think about how I was back then, when I was going through all of that, like, of course, I had periods where like, I, I got to my goal weight and stuff, it never lasted, though. And then I found myself like 20, I gained like 25 pounds. And that was because I was binging so much and restricting so much and and just in that back and forth. And now I find myself like at a weight that I just feel really comfortable at that feels very effortless. And I really just eat, you know, I know what to eat. I know what works for me. Um, And I just honor that. And, And because I allow everything, because like I don't have those restrictions around food, then it's really easy for me to just sort of like if I'm encountered with sugar, it's just not a big deal because I don't restrict it. It's allowed it at any time, but because I know the truth of how it makes me feel, like sometimes I just don't want to feel that way. And that is the deciding factor. And I think that that should be for you what should be the deciding factor, you know, rooted in kindness and love and like awareness and truth and honesty. Like I know this food makes me feel that way. Do I want to feel like this right now? And and that's it because so many times we go into it blind. So 
If you are struggling with this, reach out to a mental health professional. If you don't know what to do, DM me on Instagram or send me an email and I'm happy to help like navigate this with you to help you find a professional because I wish that I had had somebody back then. But I want you to know that it is really common, that it is okay, and that you can get over it, and that life around food doesn't have to feel so hard. And that is my mission for women everywhere. And, you know, I'm always open to any questions that you all might have. So keep me posted and let me know if that's something that you want. But I love you very much. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you soon next week. Thank you so much for listening to Heart Food Podcast. To find the show notes for this episode, visit ashleypardo.com. Follow Ashley on social media at Ashley K. Pardo. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your family and friends and give us some love by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes.